everybody. Welcome to the HB Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast from handsomefam.com. I'm your host, Dustin, here with me. Birthday boy, Brandon. Hey, what's, what's up? up? 27 yes. today. Yes. You've joined the 27 Club with me. Yes. You just got to make it through this year and then we're here. You won't be dead. I will be one year older than Kurt Cobain. That's right. You got to, I think you'll be able to. I mean, Ben made it. Or did you? I'm still not sure if I'm alive or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's debatable sometimes for everyone, honestly. Yeah, some, it really is. Some days. Yeah. Ben, yeah. also here with us. How are you now? I'm great. Good and you? Just fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> you're drinking this tall boy, and it, it the way you're sitting here, it has authority. Thank you. Like, the way you're sitting with the tall boy. What what am I, what specifically about my posture is authoritative? It's just, it's just like uh, you have the most interesting man yeah. posture mm. with the, the side. It's very you suave. Know. Nice. What are you sipping on? Uh, this is a New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA, 9%. Ooh, tall boy wait. can. It's 9%. Uh, yeah, 19.2 ounces. Oh, I thought this was a 16. No, it's bigger than that. Uh, so I was at our gas station, our, our Sheets, which is the best gas station, uh, before the show. And I was like, you know what I need? I need a mother effing beer. Mother effing beer. Mother yeah. effing and, beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, th- I just walked over and they recently at that sheet started carrying just like single beers. And most of it's like, you know, 40s and Bud Light and stuff like that that I didn't Michelob, want. They have like favorite. three <laughs> decent beers that are just in single cans. Nice. And this, uh, this, this is a good beer. I've had this beer multiple times and uh, enjoy it. But it was like 225. That's Ooh. not too bad. And I was like, dude, that's, that's worth a buy for the podcast time. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't want to go home and get more beer. Yeah, sure. And I wasn't going to come here and t- drink your beer if you had any. Damn. I have one beer in the fridge. Right. So I was just like, I'll spend two twenty five for a great beer. That's like this is honestly, if you went to the bar and got this, it's probably a seven or eight dollar beer. Yeah. So, dude, nine percent. That'll definitely put some uh, some chests on your hair. Well, not if you're two hundred sixty five pounds. Fair enough. Fair. Yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't really do much to you. That's the problem. Well, here's the thing for me lately is that so I've been really not drinking at all. Yeah. But when I do, like I had the six pack of the Newcastle. Yeah. The one day I drank two back to back. Right. I felt mildly buzzed, but mm-hmm. not anything crazy. Yeah. And then about two hours later, my stomach was like, why'd you do that? Right. <laughs> so but the thing is, here's what I'm trying to figure out. Certain beers do not upset my stomach. Yeah. So I don't. It has to be some kind of ingredient. It's that. Yeah, I would say that's the case. You're probably allergic to. Maybe it's even a particular yeast strain that you don't. Your oh. stomach doesn't like. Who knows? Damn. Specifically, uh, when I drink Heller High Water Melon, which is the other my other go to, uh-huh. no problems. Right. Hmm. None at all. There's not a lot of grain in that one. I wouldn't guess. So maybe it's a grain thing. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. it's just a different. I mean, the brown ale is going to have a different yeast than whatever style Heller High Water Melon technically is. I want to say that's wheat beer. Yeah, yeah watermelon beer. yeast. Water- watermelon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but the um, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I go through those kicks too, where and I mean, as someone who owns a brewery, I drink a surprisingly small amount of beer. But I'll go through a kick where I like won't drink any beer for literally months sometimes, and then other times I'm like, I think I need a case of beer. Yeah, and it's gone like in a week. I'm not. I'm not even getting dr- drunk or even buzzed. I'm just like drinking beer instead of yeah. water for a while, and then I go back on my no beer for a while kick. Yeah, it's interesting um, because I do have people in my family 
that are no longer with us. They died before I was born. Uh-huh. AKA my grandfather. Uh-huh. Alcoholic. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. In fact, that's why he died. Right. But um, isn't there a thing that like alcohol, alcoholism, you can be more susceptible based on your your family genealogy? Yeah, like your predisposition. I don't know that they've ever proven that, mm. but I think that there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that seems to point to that. Um, but I will say that like I know plenty of people whose parents are alcoholics and they drink beer and they're totally fine. They're not alcoholics. Right. Right. And I know plenty of people. It's the opposite. Um, so I would say that it's just like anything, any other kind of addictive type thing is that there is a little bit of science to it, but there's also just like your personality and your, your body, everybody's body chemistry is a little different. So right. some people can be more susceptible to addiction just because of behavior. Some are more susceptible just because of their, because of their DNA, their, their hereditary stuff. So, I'd say that more susceptible is true doesn't mean that's a guaranteed. It's interesting how that works. Like I, uh, in college, I would never say like, was I never considered myself a smoker, but at that time I was probably smoking one or two cigarettes a day uh-huh. with the boys right. on the porch. Right. Never, never got addicted right. to nicotine. Right. I've somehow never been susceptible to being addicted to nicotine. Right. Which is weird. But you're right. It's just certain certain things. But Yeah. Like, you know, and some people may not be at all susceptible to a nicotine or an alcohol addiction. But if they get started gambling, they're not going to quit. Yeah. Oh. So, like, different things can be addictive to different people, obviously. Yeah. So just because you have an addictive personality with some things doesn't mean that you're going to be addictive with everything. True. But other people, they are. They're addic- yeah. It's just like if there's something you can be... Ad- I mean, you can be addicted to things that aren't even harmful in and of their own, right? Like mm. exercising. Like exercising. Yeah, right. that's actually a big thing that happens. Or coffee. Yeah. Dude, today was rough. I've only had one cup because I ran out. So I had the morning cup. Normally, I have three yeah. <laughs> throughout the day. Yeah. And I felt, I felt off yeah. all day. I even had other caffeine... Which I don't know if it was just because. I wonder why you were all jittery over there. Oh, dude! I <laughs> so, and I'm still out of coffee. That's the problem. So Damn. like, tomorrow morning I gotta make a Dunkin' Donuts run or something. Yeah. Couldn't Holly have brought you some home from work or something? Apparently they are like waiting for the next order. Oh. Or the things they have are like very, not my right. style. Right. I'm a little picky to be yeah. honest. Yeah. But see, it's funny because we've had this conversation, but not on the podcast. I if I go somewhere and want to order coffee, first of all, I love diner coffee. It's terrible and I love it. Sure. But I don't want to drink that at home. But if I go somewhere to get coffee, I want the best. It better be it better be good. It better be nice. But also like if I'm in a rush, I'll pop it in something in the Keurig. Oh yeah. You know, I'll do it. Sure. But so I'm like really picky, but only sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I've had many, many cups of Work coffee? Yeah. You know, just literally work coffee. Right. Anyone who's worked a job that has a pot yeah. of coffee in the back knows what work coffee is. And man, sometimes it just gets you by. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah. Thinking about coffee, you're saying you want the best. Right. There's times where I've been in, in bigger cities that have really nice coffee places. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that pour over is uh, $10. 
I want that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm not going to order a $10 coffee right. every day. In fact, I don't have the option to buy a $10 coffee almost ever. So when I have that, I'm like, okay, what Dustin, you got? Yeah. Dustin, the last time you we were in Boston, all three of us and, and Phil were in Boston, we went, and I think the coffee I got was, and I think you got it too, was $14 for a cup. Yeah. And I was like, this is very good coffee. And then my next cup of coffee, like later that day, was like literally, I ordered it, you know, behind from behind the counter at wherever we stopped to eat, and they made it in a Keurig, and right. I was like, "This is also good coffee, but it's only good because it wasn't fourteen dollars." Right, right, yeah. right. Well, this is not HP After Dark. Sorry, we may have thrown some some listeners off. This is the HP Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast from Handsome Phantom, and we are going to talk about some games a little bit light on the news, but some big. Big things. One very big thing in particular that we're going to talk about. Um, but this show comes to you from you, the listeners, over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom, where at a dollar a month, you can get early access to this show. Three dollars, you get early access to HP After Dark, which I think if we have one in the in the can. It should come up this week, I think. Yeah, right? I think yeah. I think that Friday yeah. makes sense for that. Good Friday. Oh, it's going to be a good Friday. It's going to be a good Friday. Great Friday. So if you want early access to that, uh, that's at the $3 level. And at the $5 level, you can get a producer credit in this very show. So check it out. And you get it early? A month early? Oh, yeah. And you get all the other other benefits. We get the other benefits, but you get HP After Dark a month early. Right. So, yeah. yeah. All right. With all that being said, let's get into the big news. And that is, of course... R.I.P. the PlayStation Vita. Now, here's the thing. We have some things to own up to on this show. Okay. Because last week, at least I did. I don't know. No, actually, I think we were on differing opinions. I had said that the gamer article was false and that it would be happening, but not in the way that they're saying. Yeah. Turns out they were completely accurate. And I don't remember if I said this, but I do know some people or at least a person who has written for that site who is a pretty solid aspiring journo and has been paid to freelance there. So I think I was probably on the side of there's probably more validity to this than not. Mm. But I don't know if I said that. I can't remember if I stated that or not. So here's Sony's official uh, statement. This went out uh, on an email to developers and is also available on the PlayStation on their website. They have a section called important notices regarding PlayStation products and services. Mm. Here's what they wrote. We are closing uh, we are closing PlayStation Store on PlayStation 3 consoles on the 2nd of July, 2021, and on PlayStation Vita, Vita devices on the 27th of August, 2021. Additionally, the remaining purchase, purchase functionality for the PlayStation Portable will also retire on the 2nd of July, 2021. So, July 2nd, that's when PS3, PSP, go and put, and PlayStation Vita on August 27th. Now, Did you ever notice that when, like, if they have a good announcement to share, it's never an important note about services. Right. But if it's a bad announcement, you know it's a bad announcement if it starts out that way. <laughs> right, right. So here's the, the bulleted list that I will quickly read through and then we can discuss just so everyone knows what you will and will not have access to. Here's what you will still have access to. 
You will still be able to re-download and play previously purchased game titles. You will still be able to access previously purchased video slash media content. You will still be able to redeem game and PlayStation Plus vouchers, and you will be able to re-download and play claimed game titles through PlayStation Plus as long as you remain a member of the service. How so. long will that last? Because they've shut it down entirely for other things, right? Oh, like the Wii U. Like the Wii U. Or not the Wii U, the Wii shop. I don't right. know if Wii, Wii U is still up. I think Wii U is still up. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually positive it is. Yeah. So here's where you're going to lose access to. You will no longer be able to purchase PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, and PlayStation Portable digital content, including games and video content. You will no longer be able to make in-game purchases through games on PS3, PS Vita, and PSP. And you will no longer be able to redeem PSN wallet fund vouchers on PlayStation 3, Vita, PSP devices on the PlayStation Store and purchase functionality for the for these devices close. I, wait, I don't know. Anyway, you're no, you will no be longer be able to redeem stuff on those stores which makes sense the store's right not available anymore so yeah this is this is the end so yeah a couple things first i think something i do remember saying last week was that i don't don't remember what i was gonna say um well okay on to the next thing it's interesting to me that they're not just shutting it down entirely because I have to imagine that there's not a whole lot of extra. It, it was, it'd be one thing if they were like, we're not releasing any more games, but the ability to purchase, I assume some of that has to do with account closures and whatnot. But like, if you're letting people still download it, that means all of it's still stored somewhere. So why not just let people who want to get, I, and I don't know how these systems work entirely. So part of this is just ignorance. This is literally a legitimate question. Why not ask, why not let people still be able to purchase them? Just throw you a couple bucks and they can get the game, even if you can't release any more games on it, when the games already have to be in the cloud somewhere anyway. Right. Uh, the other thing was, I, I do remember saying last week, and Brandon chimed in with me, was that I didn't even realize the PSP store was still up. And I think it's not. It's, it's just that in-game purchases are still up for games that are already purchased. So to my understanding, as far as the PSP, PSP games can be bought digitally on the PlayStation 3 store, and then you have to download them on the PS3 and then transfer them to PSP. Wow. So basically, it's living on through the PS3 store. Right. Gotcha. Interesting. I I would be interested to see how this affects the um, the reselling market for these Ooh. these consoles. What's going to happen now, dude? Now that you can't find them anywhere but physical. Right. So Brandon, this copy I have right here of a. Uh, Persona 4 Golden. I bought this Yeah. a uh, little after I got married, when I was living in your old apartment. Right. Uh, I bought it for $20 on Amazon. This copy is now worth over $100. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's I saw crazy. when GameStop was closing, and our local GameStop at the mall was closing, I went in, and they had like 12 games in the whole store, and four of them were P4G on Vita. Damn. And they were $20. Yeah, they were all Holy used, open, shit. whatever. But but still, I damn. that was like six months ago, dude. So it's funny because I have a small physical Vita collection, but the games I have, like I have this, and I have Danganronpa one, two, and Ultra Despair Girls, and all of those are like skyrocketing. Yeah, yeah. damn. So it'll even out eventually, in my opinion, within a couple of years. Right. You know, it won't be, but it ain't gonna last forever. Well, that's the thing is that, yeah, demand, 
demand for Persona 4 Golden on Vita when I bought it. There was no demand. Right. Therefore, it was $20 on Amazon shipped. Yeah. But now that it's well, it started to go up actually before because it, the print was starting to get low, you know, and now it's yeah. going back up. I would imagine this probably wouldn't affect PSP at all. I feel like if there was a rush for to pick these these games up, it would have already went. I did Google to see what some PSP games were going for. And I saw like PSP because I'd never owned a PSP. I often played a friend of mine's, but I never personally owned one. And so I was like, maybe I should pick up a PSP and just like see what's happening. Right. You know, and I went and looked and I saw like on eBay, you know, PSP looked really nice condition, seemed to work with like six or eight games. And they weren't like games I'd never heard of for 120 bucks or something. And I'm like, so okay, well, it low. can't be. Yeah. It's not skyrocketing yet. Yeah. But I think that the reason the PSP ever had any kind of success was because it was such an easy homebrew compatible kit yeah and you could hack and do, run roms on it really easily right the vita was never that way though yeah. i mean it's more that way now but it was actually a system that if you wanted this, that system you were probably going to be buying games too yeah i am like infinitely amazed and still to this day by the mini discs for the PSP. Oh, the UMD. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even if they never become anything, the fact that I had this incredibly strange point in time where Sony had these little itty bitty shitty discs in these little yeah. thin ass plastic containers that always broke. Um, it's just cool. It's cool. It's, it's cool to remember. It's such a was such a unique thing that they I mean, we were using cartridges for yeah. things. Sony. I mean, they have memory cards, yeah. you, but the fact that they were like, oh yeah, we're going to make an optical disc-based media yeah. for a portable console. Yeah. L yeah. It's very, very strange. Very cool though. Yeah. I'm glad I still have all mine. Damn. I don't think I have any PSP games. I don't think I own. The funny thing is I, yeah, I do have PSP games, but I've never had a PSP. I need to look and see what they are. Yeah. They're, I know where they are, and I do not even want to try to get to them right now. Yeah. Dude, and I, I have a couple fucking PSP DVDs. Oh, That what? was a thing for a little bit, too. Yeah, the uh, UMD video. Yeah. 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 You Those could, are crazy. You could watch a little DVD on your PSP. Yeah. Yeah. They actually released quite a few of those, too. There's a pretty wide library yeah. of uh, UMD yeah. video discs. Definitely. That's crazy. So here's an interesting angle, which um, this was talked about on Sacred Symbols. So sorry if there's crossover listeners. I'm sure that there are. But I think one of the most interesting aspects of this is something that's close to home to both me and Ben, who's the associate producer at Lilymo Games, is apparently Scourgebringer, which is coming to Vita. They were Scourgebringer. In Scourgebringer. They uh, were informed they had inside knowledge that they were going to be the last Vita game released. But Sony didn't bother to tell anyone, anyone else about this to the point that they sold Colin and Lilymo Games a dev kit. How long ago was that, Ben? A month ago? Two months ago? If it was a month ago, I'd be surprised. I think it was less than that. Yeah. And now they're saying, yeah, sorry, uh, August is the last day you'll be able to sell anything. That's right. crazy. So, Ben, what can you, I mean, I know that Barry has talked publicly, but the, the games that, or game, the current active game in development is now just the, the Vita version is canceled. Right. So it'll, the, the next game will still be 
on PS4 and 5. Right. Because uh, it was always going to be. But yeah, the Vita port is just sunk at this point. There's no point in continuing developing it, except for a lot of times Barry does develop on the Vita and then port over. And I'm sh- sure he could still do that. The interesting thing, though, well, there's a lot of interesting things about it. <laughs> but yeah, the, one of the interesting things is that they did sell Lily Mo, us, a dev kit recently. And the only reason you buy a dev kit is to develop on it, pretty much, or to test on it. And that's interesting. But also, I imagine, just like with anything else, there's some sort of contingency in there that, hey, if you buy this, we guarantee it'll work for as long as the store works. They're not going to... But we know how companies work, especially big companies. The guy who's in charge of sending out the dev kits probably isn't even aware. Like They they probably don't even correspond with the people who make the decisions about whether or not they're going to close the store. So like to some extent... It's really, really pissing me off that they did that. Uh, to a totally different extent, I'm like, yeah, this is probably just a human mistake. This right. is not a, not even a mistake, just an unawareness. Um, the other thing is, I know that in order to get your games on pretty much any system, before you can even submit them or anything, you have to pitch them. You really, I mean, you, and I'm, I'm amazed at some of the games that have gotten through you know, on PS4 and and Switch and everywhere else that are just terrible games that somebody pitched to Sony and they or Nintendo or whoever, and they were just like, yeah, you can make that and put it out. But you do have to pitch it ahead of time. And I'm wondering if it was that Scourgebringer pitched it and gave them a specific, you know, here's about when we want to release it. And they were like, okay, just a heads up. Yeah. This is going to probably be the last video. You know, like something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they did give them any kind of promise that that would be the last one. But I was like, what if you were just savage and released a game on the last day? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, could well, they, they stop you? I, 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 they could stop you. I know, but better get all your sales in early then. Right. Early in Jeez. the day. Yeah. yeah. Right. Goodness gracious. But I yeah. do anticipate, and I'm not saying this about Lily Mo. I'm saying this about just in the industry in general. I do anticipate a lot of developers who have games that are not cross by or cross redeem that are only available on Vita. Just being like, well, our game's a dollar on the last week of the store. Right. Yeah. That's, you might want to be careful if some people are already going and buying stuff. Yeah. You might as well wait till not the last day, At least the but last month. Yeah. 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 We still, there's still some, some time. Yeah. Unless it's a Lily Mo game, then you should buy it at full cost. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Which dude, those physical versions. Yep. Starting to get uh shipped. Yep. Looking, looking cool. Yes, sir. So, but uh, yeah, so I think we talked about this last week. It's just the the irresponsibility. I mean, here's the thing, Ben. I know it's a human error, but it's like... No, I'm not saying it's a forgivable one. Right. <laughs> so I'm saying like there's... I don't know that it was a deceptive thing. Sure. It, okay. It very much on its face seems deceptive. But on in a reality standpoint, it's probably less deceptive than it is. Left hand doesn't know what the right's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sony's a big company, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's weird. And I, I want to do a lot more research just because, I mean, Sony has all the numbers. They're probably thinking like this is no longer worth it, which is just interesting because I always Vita has always since it's the beginning has had such this core following right. for it. And we know that Vita still does decently in Japan. But I'm wondering if that's kind of, you know, 
trailed off in the past year or two, really. And maybe that's where this is coming from. But I I still don't know why the Vita needed to be in that category, but that's just me. That's what I said. What? Like, why couldn't it? I don't know. In my mind, I say PS3, PSP, fine. Sure. It's old enough. But if you actively have more than one studio developing for it, not that the giant company of Sony should change their entire marketing strategy with closing the store for a couple developers. But still, I mean, it's some food for thought, uh, at least. I don't really know. Obviously, I have no way of knowing what the entire landscape of Vita sales looks like at this point. So let's just run some hypotheticals here. Let's say you've got 10 people, which is low, but let's just say there's 10 people making 80 grand. That's almost a million bucks. If you're not making 300 million in sales, profiting 300 million in sales, then it probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Lots, a lot of sense to keep it open. And again, these are just like fake numbers, but like if the numbers that you're making on the system aren't as profitable as they could be, it probably does make financial and otherwise sense to close it down from a business standpoint, from a fiduciary duty, et cetera. If you can put those people making 80 grand into something that's going to generate um, more, you know, then it makes sense from a business. And I, I assume that's where the number crunchers were like, okay, we're only making, again, fake numbers, $100,000 of profit per person. If we put them in this department and shuttered that, we could be making 300000 per person. Yeah. You know, it makes financial sense, and they are obligated to do the things that make the most financial sense. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it has to be failing for that to happen. Yeah. That doesn't mean it doesn't suck. And it doesn't mean that they could... And also, in fairness, they've been uh, trying to... It feels like trying to kill the... Uh, uh, the Vita store for, or the Vita for, since it came out. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, maybe they could have done more in the beginning to to not necessitate this at the end, but financially, business standpoint, I'm assuming they have some data that says we could make more money with these people doing a different job than keeping the Vita store. Right. Makes us. I'm looking now at the, I have my, my Vita in hand and so far this year, there has been three new releases yeah. on Vita. So that maybe has something to do with it. Three months in this year? Yeah. So actually, the first studio to release a game on Vita this year was Lilymo Games. Yep. And uh, in February, February 2nd. Damn. Probably be in the last 10 game, one of the last 10 games that will be released for the system, if I had to guess. Right. It's not like there's a lot of games coming coming to Vita. Man, now I'm looking through the top downloads. Are the is the image still broken for the game for Hybroxia? Yeah, no, it has the it's got the right image. In the actual list, like the store listing, though. the store listing has the right. Uh, okay, I don't have it on Vita. It's still what? Because I have the I got the PS4 code. Oh, I'll fix that. Okay, good. I was thinking I wanted to play it. I have not played it on Vita yet. <laughs> well, feels wrong. Just for so everyone who knows, it is a cross by title, but for everyone who got codes pre-release, it did not. The cross redeem did not work. Whereas it used to work. Yeah, but it didn't work for this title. That's and clear, it was yeah. not. It was not Lily's fault. It was Sony's fault. But I'll fix that for you. 
Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, pretty crazy. And it's even crazier, too, thinking about that uh, we'll have copies of Proxy 2 on Vita, and it'll be like, well, this is literally what I'm, I'm trying to think of other physical Vita games that are technically you could still release. Could you still release physical Vita games? You Maybe could. of old games. You, They're you not going to cert games on Vita anymore, though. Ah, uh, that's a good point. I don't know if they'll cert games on it anymore. Yeah, I mean, no, because it's a different certification for the digital than the physical. I think. Hmm. And they don't even. You would have to. It would have to be a an Asian territory copy because you can't even get the chips or the the game cards in the U.S. anymore. Damn. Yeah. It's rough, dude. Dude, it's so funny. And I mean, I love the Vita, obviously. I think it's a fantastic system. I remember the day I bought it and the guy at GameStop tried to encourage me not to buy it. Right. Which is just fucking hilarious to me now. To be 100% honest, and this may get me cast away from Vita Island, uh, the Switch has mainly replaced the Vita for me. Yeah. But... I'm still saddened by sure. this reality. Right. Um, just, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, well, I guess the Vita kind of is a novelty for me at this point. So I understand it going down. Well, and part of that is because, and I mean, you know, I'm in a position where I shouldn't really knock Sony too much, but Sony could have paid more attention to the Vita and kept the life going. But because they... They again, they probably weren't making as much money, so it didn't make as much sense to put more resources into it. But they let it kind of slide by the wayside, and over time, people were like, We could develop this for the Vita, or we could spend a little extra time, maybe even less time, I don't know, and just put it on the Switch instead and make a lot more money. So over time, less games coming out encourages less people to pick it up and use it, and the user base lowers. So when people make games for it, they're like, Oh, I didn't make much money on the Vita. Next game, I'm not putting it on the Vita. And over time, that just becomes... It's it's a self-perpetuating cycle, really. Right. And so yeah. it makes sense from one standpoint, even if you like the Vita more, that the Switch would be your replacement because there are more games for the Switch. So of course you're going to be playing it more. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that there's more current games that you haven't played before that you're interested in coming out on a different console. So I don't think I don't think you should be cast away from Vita Island because you're playing a game that has new game, a system that has new games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. I feel like I understand Sony's Sony obviously was not seeing the success with the console because especially when it comes to the big AAA, the 3d games, right? Cause most of what we are seeing on Vita now is smaller indie titles that aren't in 3d it's you know different it's more smaller scale games but there was a, i remember there was a, an, a story or something that came out that basically that vita games were costing cost as much to develop as a, a a playstation 3 game at the time only they sold way less yeah so their developers were like well why would we make right. a game for vita which here's the thing third party developers abandoned the vita hard yeah but they also put out fucking lackluster software right out the gate. Right. Call of Duty Declassified is like notoriously horrible. It's like, yeah, game. <laughs> well, dude, it's it's like, of course, it's not going to like Call of Duty flopped because it's they just went by brand recognition alone, basically right. released this stinker. And it's like, yeah, you you 
caused the Vita to fail. Third, uh, Activision. And you mentioned earlier that you still see a lot of people talk about the Vita. We are still, but I do have to say, there's probably some confirmation bias in that because not only are we big Vita lovers, we've surrounded ourselves with people who are Vita lovers. We work for a company. I work for two companies whose founders are Vita lovers to the core. So, like, there is a little bit of a sense where, yeah, we're going to see more Vita talk than anybody else. Yeah. Or than the average person. So I don't know if that's as widespread as we would like to think it is. But very rarely do I still see someone be like, oh, man, the PS3 was so great. Yeah. But people still <laughs> say, even people who don't play the Vita are still like, that was such a great handheld. Yeah. You know. So I, I just wanted to throw it out there that, like, there is a sense where I'm like, is the Vita as popular as we feel like it is? Or is it like that for us because of who we're around? Yeah. The last aspect of this that we can talk about just is that the lack of care when it comes to any kind of preservation, pre preservation from Sony, right? I mean, sure, there are physical Vita games that you could buy. There are physical PS3 games, but... There are a ton of digital only games that are no longer going to be available to yeah. to people that are just like, yeah, sorry, uh, you had to be there Yep. or yep. You know, not for you, which I'm trying to think about the the true Vita digital exclusives. I don't oh. know what those are. A lot of them, at least you can play somewhere else. Is there a Sneak King on PS3? No. Oh, no, it was Xbox only. Damn, yeah. dude. So you're going to have to find a game like that, like one of them super niche ones, and gather well, them up before the store officially goes down. <laughs> right. Like, I'm thinking on PlayStation 3, I can think of more, um, like, particularly probably the uh, PlayStation Minis. Yeah. Those are going to be totally gone. Right. Um, but I don't, is there any PlayStation Mini that people are, are raving about? I mean, but still, it doesn't matter. Just right. the fact that... And so I don't want to retread again on sacred symbols but there is this idea of like well when these playstation psp games are no longer available on the store and you can't buy them on a store shelf what is is it okay to mod your psp and download them um it's illegal yeah is it morally okay that's yeah. questionable based on the person but right i guess we can angle this what do you how do you guys feel about sony's apathy towards this well just a comment on the thing you just said sure the apathy obviously you know where i'm gonna go with that but I'll, we can go there but the thing about um this is totally different but i think the point remains the same to some extent i totally agree with that argument to another extent i'm like you know nike only releases let's say a thousand pair of these shoes a year when they're bought and someone keeps them and doesn't want to resell them, they're bought and no one wants to resell them. Is it okay for me to go to their house and steal them? Is it okay for me to make a knockoff and distribute it to people for free? Even if they're the same thing. So like to some extent, I'm like, well, it's just a matter of supply. When things are sold, they're sold. Just because it's not available doesn't mean I'm, I'm allowed to have it. Yeah. Right. But on the other hand, I'm like, does anybody actually get hurt? Well, yeah. You know, th there's a difference between is it okay and is, is this a victimless crime? Right. I feel like it is a little bit different with, like, non-physical media as well. Right. 
than like physical. I feel like it has slightly different yes connotations to it. Um, but yeah, if it's a f- honestly, as much as I can't say that I've always abided by this in the past, right? You know, like Super Mario RPG. There's no way I can play that game digitally right now, right? And I don't own it, but I could own it if I was willing to go on eBay and pay for somebody to send me their copy of it. Right. Dude, that shit was on the Super Nintendo Classic. Is it still? Yeah. Are well, you, the sure? su- you can't buy a Super Nintendo Classic, but it's on it. Oh, on the cla- on Super Nintendo. I was thinking you meant on the virtual oh, console. Oh, no, not yeah, virtual yeah. console, no. Um, right. So it was there. Yeah. It was temporarily available right. to buy in a form. Yeah. I had one of those and I sold it because I thought I was going to be able to find another one and I never did. Damn. Damn. <laughs> uh, so th- I made a lot of money on it, but eh, that's not the point. But my, my point is, like, to some extent, okay, but if, let's say, just in theory here, Super Mario RPG was only available digitally, it's still wrong to pirate it. Yeah. But does it, is it wrong? You know, like, is it, again, is it, it's that question of morality. But because Super Mario RPG is able to be had by having it the lawful way, which is purchasing the, the actual cartridge, should I pirate it? Yeah, you know that's that's the question. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say. It just puts the people is in a, probably it's fine. Yeah, it just puts people in a weird position, and it kind of sucks for anyone who has worked on a game that will be essentially a dead language now. Right, um, that can only be found in scrolls, uh, yeah. more or less. Um, so, any other thoughts about the closure of the store? Just uh, just maybe keep your eyes open. For something, uh, something Vita, a send off for the Vita. Not a yeah. game, not a game, but you know, maybe something. Maybe yeah. something. Maybe something. We have rumors about the new Call of Duty game. Brandon, this is all you, but yeah. I'm going to read it from uh, where I have this here. The This is from Games Radar. The article is very short. It says it's from Allie Jones. It says the next Call of Duty is reportedly set. In alternate history 1950s, where World War II never ended. Following the reveal of what it claimed is the working title of this year's release, leaker Modern Warzone has released a new report outlining the game's setting. In a recent video, Modern Warzone stated, quote, The entire game takes place in an alternate timeline where 1945 wasn't the end of World War II and take place in the 1950s. The report offers speculation on how the alternate narrative will play out and doesn't pinpoint exactly when the events of the game will take place. If the concept sounds familiar, however, that's likely because Call of Duty would not be the first FPS franchise to explore a longer version of the war. The Wolfenstein Wolfenstein franchise also uh, takes place in a world where the conflict dragged on for many years, dramatically altering the pace of technological change around the world. So, Call of Duty, you could kind of go back to World War II, but also... Not because it's yeah. different. Yeah. What do you that, think about that, Brandon? That's going to be interesting. I am... See, because I don't know that they've done something quite like this before. I feel like they kind of stick to the to the gun, so to speak, of the time frame. But if it's like an alternate reality type thing, I feel like it could really open things up to be a little bit different. Um, as far as World War II goes, um, I know the one that was made by Sledgehammer did not mesh with me whatsoever. Call of Duty uh, World War Two. Yes. Yeah. Which was not that fucking long ago. No. So like, I'm not incredibly thrilled by the idea of going back. I'm kind of 
in the present now with most of the games I'm playing and I'm enjoying it. Um, I jokingly said before the show, I'm going to be playing Battlefield 6 instead because it's going to be back to modern or whatever. Um, but no, I'm interested. I definitely am. I'm hesitantly interested, though. You're going to buy it. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will. But like Call of Duty is something I always buy. But my retention rate is what gauges the Call of Duty for me. Like, I'm still playing Black Ops, surprisingly, and I'm still really enjoying it. Um, I don't think it'll have as long of a shelf life as Modern Warfare did for me. Right. But that being said, it has had a longer shelf life than maybe Black Ops 2 did. Right. So it's always something I check out. Um, But yeah, man, I guess we'll just see. This, This should be Infinity Ward again, right? No. The report is that Sledgehammer will be yeah. on this project. It should be Sledgehammer. That's crazy. Yeah. So they flubbed. Well, I mean, we don't I don't know. know if they flubbed the first World War II game or not. I guess it was okay. It ended up being a free game. So if that tells you anything, there's a lot behind the scenes that we don't know since they were supposed to be the year that Cold War came out last year. Well, that's, and then yeah, things then, got changed then around. There was the the switcheroo. Um, and, uh, Treyarch came in. So I was honestly thinking they would be done then, like something bad happened Mm. and that's why Treyarch needed to swoop in. Um, but I mean, if they're making the next one, you'd think must not be that, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's possible that they were just looking, they was potentially mismanaged, restarted or something. And then they were like, we're not going to have this ready. We need to figure out a way to... Yeah, because they have multiple games that develop like salvage the yeah. Call of Duty that's coming out after <laughs> right. this Call of Duty is, is currently in development. in development. Yeah, exactly. But I did see somewhere that it's going to be running off of a modified version of the the uh, Modern Warfare engine. I did see that as well. Actually, it's not a surprise. Call of Duty. Mon- that's what they do. It's yeah. a better engine, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I know you don't like the shooting as much. Mm. And actually, maybe after playing Black Ops. I am leaning more towards that, but the Modern Warfare engine is still just yeah. phenomenal. Things just hit different. Um, what I'm really curious of is that, like, man, the the not only the new announcement of the new game, right, but the future of Warzone, assumedly, they would continue going on. I'm trying to think of using World War II weapons in there, too, would be just crazy. How, how long will they go on with this? Because I feel like they're still getting numbers. Yeah. They're still getting Warzone numbers, like, consistent. I saw a tweet that, I don't know, everything's rumor and hearsay right now, that they would not be adding, like, it wouldn't be integrated in the same way that Black Ops Cold War was into Warzone. Man, some strange choices. Really, if that ends up being the truth, I was perplexed when they put the Cold War guns in, and it actually, even though the meta is nothing... (laughs) Like it was before. Oh Oh, yeah! yeah. Literally, since Cold War came into Warzone, there has not been an on-meta Modern Warfare gun. I'm almost a hundred percent positive. Wow, that's shitty. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's the entire Warzone game just completely shifted. And is it bad now because of it? You think? Well, it's bad. It's just yeah. It's different. different. It is just different. There have been periods of time where it was bad. And I still think there's still room for improvement. Um, Obviously, as there seems to always be when you release 
new guns, let alone an entire game's worth of guns into a game at once. Um, but like all the floor loot right now in Warzone is Cold, is War, Cold guns. War guns. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You so, have to if you want a Modern Warfare gun, you got to bring it in your loadout. Yeah. For, Weird. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So. It's, huh. very, it's very strange. I guess I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I've never been incredibly impressed with Sledgehammer games. Like my retention rate, as I was speaking of earlier, has always been smaller with their games. Um, but honestly, at this point, a Call of Duty can't be fucked up enough for me to not play it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, actually. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll see. You know, Cold War is freaking bricked my ps5 before and i still play it so damn hey um i'm really wondering with them talking about this alternate timeline potentially and we saw something in and i won't really spill what it is in case people haven't played it once but with the black ops campaign I, th- I feel like they really did something a little different a little bit trippy mm. with the actual campaign and not that it was like mind-blowing it wasn't a midnight Shyamalan uh jam or anything but there were some twists and turns that weren't aren't traditional. Did you play Black Ops One and Two? I played one. Okay, but I feel like they're not. Ter- I'm just wondering with this alternate timeline if we'll see something that like this game is a World War Two game, and it is in an alternate universe. But maybe we're gonna do something crazy. Yeah, we're gonna time travel, or you know, who well, knows? Well, dude, that's what I could see, and I'm even thinking of the possibilities with Wolfenstein. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the parallels for that, and like how off the rails they could go fucking robot dogs you know mecha nazis you know that sort of thing with an alternate timeline in the 60s 50s whatever um i just think it opens up a can of possibilities there i just pray to god it's not wall running oh oh yeah it's it it's not gonna be could you imagine world war ii soldiers running around who knows though but damn I kind of want to play Wolfenstein again. I'm going yeah, to play it soon. Yeah, dude, dude that, you're going to love it. That yeah. shit is so good. It's very good. So good. I love it. One of my faves. So, uh, yeah, Call of Duty. We shall see. There's yeah. not much else to go off of, but no, I thought right. it was an interesting thing to at least mention that possibility. I have some writing questions from our audience. Let's do it. Which, over on our Discord, which you can join, handsomefandom.com slash Discord, Every once in a while, on a light news week, out. It's free, by the way. And it's free. No uh, you Patreon can't required. You can pay to be in there, but you don't have to. Right. Uh, every once in a while, on a light news week, I will ping the audience to see if there's any questions. And we got a few. Nice. Some good questions here. So let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's start. Straw Hat Ninja, the one and only, writes into us and says, Greetings, gentlemen. If you could only play one video game genre for the rest of your life, what would it be? For me, it would be JRPGs, which is no surprise to which is a surprise to no one, I'm sure. And what we know about Straw Hat, I have deemed him the Weeb hand extraordinaire. The, he's the hand of the king. <laughs> right. He is my my go to Weeb nice. and Right. Very nice. So is Weeb in there. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I love it. I love it. So uh, one video game genre for the rest rest of your life. Brandon, I feel like I know what yours yeah, is. Yeah, mine's just a cop out, but it's going to be first person shooters. Um, that's where my love of video games blossomed, and it's the most mindless fun for me. And uh, I can enjoy things that are heavy, but most of the time, I just want to swang the gun around and shoot at things. Yeah. So, Ben? I think mine has to be FPS as well. Uh, I, 
I kind of, when you first asked it, I was like, you know, uh, as is a surprise to know when I'm having so much fun with Sea of Thieves that I'm not tiring of it. And I really like the fact that every experience you have can be a different one. And so that's appealing to me in the sense that, you know, potentially for the rest of my life, I could never have the same experience. But when it really comes down to it, I can play Call of Duty and Battlefield mindlessly for hours and hours and hours and hours a day if I wanted to. 100%. So I think that's the one that would, if I'm talking about what would last for the rest of my life as far as gaming and not get super stale because there's always new games and new innovations there, it's probably going to be the one for me. For me, it's hard to, it's too, it's too vague. I don't want to say like, oh, Dustin's like trying to open up a wide genre, but I was like, what is, what is Dark Souls? Action games. I don't know. An act, a third person action game yeah. with RPG elements. Sure. Yeah. So action RPGs, action RPG is probably a good. Yeah. That might be niching it down too much, but we know yeah. what you mean based on your. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even, I mean, you guys know from talking to me even but if you follow me on twitter i'm all about right now souls replaying souls games and now i'm like getting to this idea about like maybe i'm going to become a like get into builds nice. for different yes. souls games yeah. Dude, and like that, play them in different ways yes because you've pretty much that is still so by the same kind of build for the most yeah. part haven't you yeah today today i was playing uh demon souls and i was doing the i was doing the uh what's the cheap uh, the Royal class. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it is so yeah. it is easy mode. Yeah. At the beginning. For, yeah. It's for Demon Souls. OP. Definitely. But hold on. I dropped I dropped my iPad while we were. Recording. I noticed that I did. Dude, no. Yeah, it's OK. I it's a it. lot of fun. The variation you can have in those sort of games. It's like surprisingly in depth. Yeah. Well, dude, get like a faith build or something. I've never fucked around with like the like healing type faith builds because i mean dark souls 3 is an older game but still very dedicated following i'll look around at the other top streamers on twitch because i i can usually be within the top 10 which right. is not saying much for an older game or anything oh, like that's that. still cool but i feel like a poser amongst those people because <laughs> they're like decking out crazy yeah. builds and experimenting doing all kinds yeah. of weird stuff and i'm like i'm just slashing yeah. stuff and rolling <laughs> so all right next all right. one dom brandt writes in and says any forgotten gems from the ps3 or 360 generation that you're big fans of for me i'd have to choose the motor storm games especially the first two r.i.p to that franchise i'm uh, with him honestly motor storm i remember playing that was one of the first games we had might even be the first game we had on ps3 was a motor storm it was a pack-in I was think, it at one point? Yeah. Was that it? That might have been when we got it. But yeah. I just remember thinking that that was one of the most beautiful games I had ever seen when we played it on the PS3 and thinking that it was so cool when the cars exploded yeah. and all of the little particles. Um, I'm just going to remember it the way it is. I don't need to see any new <laughs> new video of it, um, but I'm with him. For me, I'm going to say I'll... I'll I don't know if either one of them is definitely forgotten. One of them's kind of uh, Alan Wake. Oh, yeah. Which I know that it's still it's not really it's, a forgotten. Lately, it's in vogue because of control. But right. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not mainstream. By Never means. got a, a port. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah. Such a good game. But uh, it is playable on backwards compatibility. Right. The other one, which I feel like is kind of forgotten, is Max Payne 3. That is, uh, they yeah, did Max dude. Dirty. 
They did do Mac because that game was fun. All three of them were good. Yeah. The third one was, I mean, definitely the most unique of the three because it was no longer developed by Remedy at that point. But uh, I thought that game was cool. Yeah. In fact, it almost makes me want to check it out on PC because I played it on 360 and it was 30 FPS. And yeah, I, pl- I played it on P- I played all three of them on PC. Dude, that first yeah. one. Real good. The first one I remember I bought, I found that, at, you know, Walmart in the even then meager section of PC games that they had. And it was on clearance or something. And it was I think it was after Max Payne 2 came out. And so I bought it and then I got it home. I also bought a, a Lord of the Rings game. I can't remember which one it was. And I couldn't play either of them because my computer wasn't up to spec. So I actually held on to them for like years until we got a better computer at my house. And then I played them and loved them and then played the third one that came out. Um, such nice. good games. Such good yeah. games. I remember a guy that went to my church was trying to, because t- I was talking about him to his kid. And he was trying to tell my dad that he shouldn't let me play. My dad was the pastor, by the way, mm. trying to tell my dad that I shouldn't play them because, you know, there was like occult stuff in them and everything. And my dad was like, it's a video game. <laughs> Dude, it's funny. I remember my dad let me play it and I was in elementary school, probably like third grade yeah. around this time. I remember playing the beginning and there's a part, I mean, spoilers from Max Payne 1, yeah. but his his wife and baby daughter get murdered and there's a, a dead baby in the yeah. beginning oh, of the game no. that someone shot. And I remember being like, holy oh shit, as, as a third grader, yeah. kind of, it, it was like really, it didn't like fuck me up. I wasn't traumatized, but yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, 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 it's heavy stuff. But no, no, no I don't. I don't want to give a cop-out answer. I want to give another one, too. Go for it. Burnout Paradise. Oof. I don't know if you guys ever played that. Yes. But that is one of the best arcade racing games. Is it forgotten, though? They did port it. Listen, though, was it a forgotten port? Because I feel like that was one of the biggest price drops and quickest that I've Fair ever enough. seen. Fair enough. So it was, it was ported, but it was forgotten on the PS4, if you ask me. Um, so I have, two. I would lo- love to see Criterion games do something else like that. Yeah. So. I have two. One is an indie game and one is a non-indie game. I wouldn't call it triple A, but the triple or the non-triple A, but not indie game would be Singularity. Ooh. Oh, I, I know. That. Yeah. It's, it's one of those kind of like burnout paradise where it's not quite forgotten, but I certainly don't think it's gotten its due over time. Right. Uh, it's such a great game. I played it on release. That was back when Kmart Gamer was a thing. And I remember going and it was like I had these credits that were going to expire the next week. And I ended up getting it for like $10. Damn. Not even knowing what it was. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to use my credits so I didn't lose them. And played it and loved it. And uh, I actually saw it the other day in my chest full of... I mean, I have like several hundred 360 games physically and I'm, i was just looking at it like should i play this again yes i should play this again. <laughs> i know they ported it though didn't they or they at least re-released it i don't at know some point. i, I thought they did. don't know singularity would be the first one and then the indie game that i'll call out is explosion man oh i feel like explosion man came out and it was rave reviews ms explosion man came out it was good reviews but didn't quite make the the news cycles like like explosion man did and you know that's probably because it was miz for being real here could be damn uh that's just how things work but those games were just so much fun and innovative in a sense because it was a platformer that played like a platformer i hadn't played before 
And we've seen things like that since. But at the time, it was like, here's a platform where you literally explode yourself to move around. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Damn. Uh, so those would be the... And, and what are they doing now? They're doing like... Aren't they doing more VR stuff? What team is that? Um, I can't remember their name. We met them, I feel like. Did we? I'm going to look. Okay, I'm going to look. Okay, I'm searching Explosion Man. That would be Twisted Pixel Games. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. the VR. They're yeah, doing yeah. VR stuff. We met them at the Oculus event when Mark Zuckerberg bought us dinner. That's right. Damn. He was there. He wasn't <laughs> there, but he did pay <laughs> for it. <laughs> he did pay for it, right. Uh, okay. So, yeah, good choices to be had. Did either of you play Explosion Man? No. no. If there's no, a way to play it for like a dollar somewhere, Check you should do it. I mean, seriously, it's just a fun time that's it's a lot different than... A lot of the platformers out there. Didn't it get ported to PS4? I don't know. Oh, I don't okay. think so. Or else I think I would have played it again. I'll look while we're talking. Okay. Let's see here. The next question. This one, I think we can kind of fit to make sense for us a little more. This comes from Felix Check. He wrote, uh, as a gaming site, how difficult is it for you to get interviews from gaming industry people? Do you think there's an elitism on the game's media side in favor for pub- publicity? And he says, sorry if my sentence structure's all over the place. English is my second language. I thought it was very good. It was very good, yeah. Have a great day and keep up the awesome work, boys. Nice. It was written like that. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Love it. So, okay. As far as interviews, I'm thinking mainly from PAX. Live, in, in person, for events, easy. Yeah, I don't think we've ever, I shouldn't say ever, this is probably an exception, but if we've asked or tried to get an actual interview, it's been pretty simple. Yeah, it's definitely harder when you're trying to do stuff remote, like for a podcast, because scheduling people is hard. It's, you kind of have to catch someone who's on a PR cycle at the time. It's like, I've noticed when, when we were really trying to reach out and get people, it was always hard because they're like, they're Deep, deep in, in development, development. Yeah. and they are not doing That's always interviews the, the right phrasing, now. deep in development. Yeah. Now they're crunching. Right, exactly. So let's answer the second part of the question. Do you think there's an elitism on the games media side in favor for publicity? Yes, but I don't think that comes from the developers necessarily. Right. I think it's very much that you either hire a PR firm or you have a publisher that's doing PR for you or has a PR firm. And those individuals, their job is to get you the most amount of exposure with the least amount of work. So it makes sense that if somebody reaches out to you, let's say two people reach out to you. One has a YouTube channel with half a million subscribers and averages 30,000 a video. And somebody else reaches out to you and they have 2,000 subscribers, and you've never heard of them before. What are you more likely to choose if you have to pick one? Sure. Yeah. So I think there is a bit of elitism. I don't know if it's elitism for elitism's sake or if it's a practical elitism, though. Also, if you're, like, hiring somebody to do that sort of best decision-making for you, it's literally their job. Right. So um, you would hope that they would be choosy in some ways. I don't know if it would be elitism, but it's just their job, you know? Let me give you a very small example of this. I did PR for Habroxia 2. Uh, Dave and I did uh, with our company, Lambsmith PR, indie developers. Shout it out. Uh, the 
so I, I sent a few forwards to to the crew and and you know they may or may not have done interviews i honestly don't even know but there were a couple that came through and i was like okay you want to interview them for your youtube channel let me look it up because that's what you do and i looked it up and it's like 16 subscribers and i was like sorry i'll add you to the list but i can't guarantee anything right like it wasn't even that there was that many people vying for an interview with barry or colin it was just that of the people who were i didn't want to have them be interviewed by every person that won an interview it's like Mm -hmm. there has to be a cutoff somewhere where you're not saying hey could you waste not waste that's a bad way to phrase it because i would want an opportunity if i had 16 subscribers too there's got to be a cutoff where you're like, sorry, their time is better spent developing than reaching your 16 subscribers. Right. Sure. You know, so yeah. elitism, yes, intentional, or I think there is that out there where people are just like, no, nah, you're not big enough, sorry. But there's also very much a real responsibility that you do have to be selective. Right. And I think that there's a way that you can kind of do both. At least I've seen developers do that i have such a, like a high amount of respect for and especially now not that we're like you know we're nowhere near high level people sure. or in this industry at all but i always like am very appreciative to the developers that didn't treat me yeah. like i was nobody for example and i love to there's a few in particular like uh graham smith who's yep. the the head of Drinkbox. Uh, has always been super kind to us. He did an interview with us at PSX. They've let us review their games. They have given us games for giveaways. Yep. They have, he's been awesome. I And not even like, oh, this is their PR company or whatever. It's like Graham himself yeah. has done this for us. Yeah, and, and him and I have like talked on DMs. And I'm like, yeah, the, it's cool. Yeah. And I think that's a smart, I mean, if we want to look at it from a... Uh, Less personal, like, sure. you know, every interaction has something to gain. It's smart for you as a developer to just be nice and accommodating to what makes sense to people that even if they are smaller, because you never know who is going to be uh, the next big thing. The next big thing. Right. Sure. And you could have, you know, a relationship with that that person. Right. So some other people, too, is... um. Uh, Jason, one of our patrons, one of our one of our producers. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jason Canham, he developed a way of the passive fist. Yep. What's cool is Brandon and I before Handsome Phantom exist, when it was just Brandon and I just literally the two of us, he super kind to us. We uh, played way of the passive fist way early. We had contact with him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I agree that he was cool before we were anything and not that we're anything now, but before you we were anything. I don't know if that was before. We existed though. Oh, it was really, yeah, because it was at it the was PSX the, that oh, okay, the okay. first PSX we went to. Right? Oh, right, but wait, we, no, it was, I was there. Oh, no, you're right, yeah. maybe we did exist, but still, the point yeah. remains <laughs> we were a very, even if we existed, we were a very small outlet, yeah. new, but he's the man, he's awesome, yeah, yeah and he's yeah, a, I mean, he, he messaged me privately or maybe messaged us, I don't remember if you were included, but was like, hey, this is the first Patreon I've ever supported. You guys do awesome work and I like you, you know, that kind of thing. I was like, thanks. We literally love you. So yeah. like before you even gave us $5 a month. What a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's so others you- too, like uh, Tommy Rafenez. Oh yeah. From uh, who, who, from team meat, who developed super meat boy and uh, meat boy, super meat boy forever. Um, 
one of those people who just like anytime I've ever emailed him or asked for something or like, hey, can we get you on a podcast? Can we? And that was one of the first of the episodes of the HP podcast that we did. Uh, can we get you on a podcast? Can we come by and swing by your booth and meet up and uh, whatever? And he was just always like, yeah, here's the info. Sometimes, you know, it takes a couple of days, but because he's busy. It's it's not because, you know, and, and I think that's another thing that people, I know for a fact, it's a thing people do is like, if they don't get an answer immediately, they're like, they, they drive the person crazy who they're trying to connect with. And that just doesn't work either. Right. And they're not professional. And like, that goes a long way. So I think there, again, I'm going to go back to it. There is a very sense of elitism, but also like the people who are actually trying to do the research and the development don't always or the research and the writing and the journalism don't always go about it in the best way. There's so many, for lack of a better word, wannabes out there who don't really know how to conduct themselves because they've only been, maybe they're brand new at it, or maybe they just don't have any experience in the business type world. And it's like, they go about things all in the wrong way. And because somebody doesn't respond to them, that feels like elitism when really it might be your message had 15 misspellings and I couldn't quite see what you were asking. You know, like there is a big gap there. Right. So, yeah, that's, and we're, I mean, this is spinning a different direction, but it's funny that you, you know, we see people either ask the wrong way or do things the wrong way. And that's why I always encourage people that want to get into doing this kind of stuff. I'm like, you just gotta, you gotta start and learn the walk yeah. in a way. And you're going to make mistakes like that, obviously, but there's something still that I'm amazed. I'm like, don't never, ever, ever. Ask for a code on Twitter. Right. Like publicly so everyone can see it. That's yeah. yeah, that's a little weird. Never do that. It's a little weird. Never. Did we answer the question that was asked? I don't even yeah, know. We okay. Have. Yeah, we okay. yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. I thought we just got off of the tangent there for a minute, but Yeah. But that's it for our questions. Uh I did this slightly out of order because I have a bunch of quickies that we can blitz through. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Quickies. Witcher 3 is getting its next gen update in the second half of 2021. Woo. No updates other than that. <laughs> Great. Ratchet and Clank uh, for PS4 is now 60 FPS on PS5. I played it today. It's fucking good. Mm. Check it out. Pax- you know, I mentioned this or two earlier, but that was one of those games that was like, oh, it's five years old at this point. Now it's free on PS Plus. I might as well play it. It's a good game. I'm right. to play it. Exactly. I'm excited for the new one to come out. I want to play this game. I played it. I beat it. I loved it. Talked about it on the show. Like a month later, they're like, hey, new pack. I'm like, well, it's too soon for me to play Damn. it again now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Sony. Pax, giving us free stuff. Damn it. Yeah. Fuck them for giving them free. <laughs> <laughs> PAX East 2021 that was slated for this summer has been canceled. Not surprised by that we one. That coming. Yeah. Uh, Back for Blood has been delayed to October 12th. So you'll still be able to. You know, get get some get some rounds in for spooky some Halloween spooky time. time. Yeah. yeah, dude, I'm pumped for that. Having one. a heckin' fright. Speaking of Drinkbox, Drinkbox just released or not released, revealed their new game. It's called Nobody Saves the World, exclusive, at least for now, to Xbox. Which I don't have any info about that. I should be clear. I'm just assuming it's an exclusive, a, a timed exclusivity right. deal. Uh, Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, PC, and will be available on Game Pass. Hmm. No release date other than soonish. Soonish. So I'm guessing that would mean next year. Sometime. Yeah. yeah. I think soon-ish. it's smart for them not to put a date on <laughs> the it. The beginning of next if year. If they don't know. 
Yeah. If it's yeah. not done, that's smart to not put a date on it. Weren't they pretty closely tied with Guacamelee to uh, PlayStation before? Yep. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. In fact, I think Guacamelee came out on PlayStation first. I believe that's, yeah, I believe that's right. And I think the second one came out first on PlayStation. On PlayStation. Huh. You might I don't be remember, right. though. Yeah, you might be right. I don't, I don't know. I can't say it definitively. But that's it. That's all we got for the show. We've we've gone a little over on a on a light news week. This always happens. You know, I told you at the beginning we're gonna be able to just BS our way through it. Nobody's gonna even know. <laughs> well, we started know? out the show talking about addiction. <laughs> so we always here start we out the show talking about are. something that's not the show. True. Yeah. True. It's fair. But that's, thank you. That's oh, what the people really come for. That is true. They they come for the bromance. Mm-hmm. Yes, the boys. The boys. But thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Give us a rating and review if you haven't yet. That always helps us out. You can check out our Patreon. Join our Discord at handsofham.com slash Discord. And I think that's it. So, boys, thank you for hanging out. It was a good show. And we'll see you next time. Bye. The HP Podcast is fan-funded through patreon.com slash handsofphantom. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Jared, Josh Cummings, the Shadow Producer, Edward Walton, Stewie108, Charles Pedersen, Toby Ryland, Matthew Major, Straw Hat Ninja, Josh DeBerry, Michael J. Sutherland, Jared Cavaliero, and Jason Cannon.